I'm beginning today's program with a quote. It's part of our conversation later in the show, but I want you to I want you to hear what this man has to say. It shocked me. It made me think. And and it might do the same for you. Have a listen. When I'm out here, outside in the free world, and I have a bad day. And you know, pastors have bad days just like everybody has a bad day, okay? And I have a bad day. I go to the prison because that's my happy place. That's Pastor Greg Swan of Del Sol Church. Now, Del Sol is six campuses in the El Paso area. One of those campuses is a prison. It's Sanchez Prison. It's a state prison. It's a state jail. Um, divided into two sections. Part of them, part of the inmates, they're there for two years or less to serve a prison sentence. The others are being transferred to the institutional division, which means they're going to prisons in different parts of Texas. And Pastor Greg Swan is the pastor of a church inside of a prison. And that's our subject this week. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about prison ministry, why it's important to go in, why it's important to give of yourself, of your time, to preach whatever your faith is to those who are in prison. Pastor Swan is preaching the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is sharing that right there in the prison system, in a prison here in Texas. And it's an amazing thing. They're showing fruit. I mean, there's people coming to Christ. There's people coming to know God. There's people coming to know who they are in the eyes of God, which is an amazing thing. And we're going to talk about that today. And why don't we just go ahead and jump right on in? So tell me exactly what you do. What's your title? Well, my title is Pastor of Del Sol Sanchez. Now, let me explain that. Del Sol is six campuses we're one church in six different campuses or six different locations okay. of different ethnicities and different uh, age groups, different just a number of different people. And one of our campuses um, is in Sanchez State Prison. And we do it exactly like we do church on the outside. We do it on the inside. We have a full praise and worship uh, team that goes in along with a prayer team that we develop prayer warriors in the prison. So we have an actual uh, ministries that are working in the prison itself. We go in at 6 p.m. on Sundays, and we have service between 6 and 8 p.m. Okay. Now, a lot of people would say that it's pointless to go into a prison, you know, to Mm -hmm. preach the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Why exactly do you do it? What do you see? What fruit do you see coming out of this? Well, the, the, the obvious is, is, of course, the Lord tells us in his word. You know, I look at uh, Matthew 25, 36. I was naked and you clothed me. I, I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And so I, I look at verses like that and I see where God's uh, given us direction of things and people we need to take care of, things that are part of responsibility of people growing even when they're in the prison system now a lot of people in which the the actual inmates themselves feel like they have been tossed away by society they feel very low and with very low self-esteem 
And so one of my major goals is when I go in there, just like it would be on the outside, is to help people understand the great value that God has for each one of us, no matter where we're at in our lives. So I, that's one of the main things for me that, uh, that I, the reason why we go out there is to help them understand that they're important just like anybody else. So walk me through your typical service inside of a prison. Okay, here again, we, we try to retain the DNA of all Del Sol churches. Okay, so that's one of the way we stay, we continue to work together and move spiritually in one direction as a six different campuses. So we do that exact same in the prison where we're allowed to. We, um, we go in, we set up, we do sound checks. Our praise and worship group who's led by, I have a praise and worship leader there, John Wheeler's his name, and he... Uh, sets up all the music for us. We work together. I let him know what kind of sermons I'm preaching at that time, what series I'm in. He brings the songs that would enhance the message um, through the praise and worship. And they practice and get ready. They get set up for it. Um, We're allowed to bring in a setup team, which is about eight guys from one of the faith-based dorms in the prison. And so they come in. They set up the chairs. We're allowed to have 87 chairs in there according to the fire rules. And so we set up the chairs. Um, The band sets up while we have the setup crew getting ready. They pull prayer cards together. They put first-time guest cards because we have a lot of first-time guests that come in there. At least eight every week comes in a first-time guest. Wow. Okay. Now, I, I want to kind of break off right there for one second and tell you. Sure. What we've done is we've challenged guys because the, the officers only allow so many to come out of a, a pod at a time to go to church. So they govern them out. It's not everybody who wants to go to church gets to go to church. Okay. All right? It's, it's how many they allow out of the dorm. So we have asked uh, some of our congregation that come regularly every week to give up their spot. For new people to come. So we actually have that happening in the prison where they are visually saying, hey, you take my spot. This is your first time go. And so we average between about eight, eight to nine guys new every week. That's actually amazing inside of the prison. Oh, yeah. What we want to do is we want them to feel like it's a regular church. It's not some special prison church. You know, we don't go and preach hellfire and damnation every Sunday, all right, and repent. What we do is we teach them the same messages that we do outside. So getting back to the routine is is we set up, we do sound checks. We have one of our pastors who comes up. He goes out there regularly with us, and he's out there, and he goes and he, he tells a joke. We do a kind of a nice little pig fell in the mud joke. You know what I mean? That type of thing. And, they, and, they're, and they're funny. And we do announcements. We ask for first-time guests, just like we do here. The exact same type of service uh, um, sequence of things. Then the praise and worship comes in. He does about three or four songs. And then I go up and I, I preach a message that we have preached in every one of our same campus, our other five campuses outside. Afterwards, we have a closing song because we have a little more time in the prison. We have two hours versus um, on the outside, we keep our our services to about 65 minutes. All right, where we have more time out there. Baptisms, then. I'm sure you have people who come to Christ. I'm sure you have baptisms. How does that happen? Well, since we don't have a baptismal and we're not allowed to have that, where we can freely do that in the prison, what we do is, is... what we have in the past done, we schedule baptisms twice a year. Okay. And we have a portable baptismal. 
and we take it to the kitchen. We have them boil water and we put water in there that's been heated. And then we put a little bit of chlorine in it to make sure it stays pretty clean. And then we it's in the mess area, in their area where they go to eat. Okay. Then we go in and we put that there and we'll take 25 men and we'll baptize them at one session, about two hours. And do you, have, I mean, is it usually full when you do that? Do oh, yeah. Wow. Right. We have to choose from a list sometimes of 50 guys that want to be baptized. So what we're planning this year is to actually have three different times to baptize. And so anytime you congregate a group of men in a particular area in a prison, more than, say, 10 or so, the the security gets really tight. Right. Because whenever you gather, there's always potentially something that's not happening Tensions right. Right, right. Yeah, and so what we do is we go in, we make sure that they're getting baptized for the right reason. We, we give them a little class. We tell them, this is what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. This is what we, we're, we want you to believe in and what you've done and how you've you know, what's, what's happened in your life. So they understand the process of all that. We just reassure that. Um, okay. So a lot of the guys, what, this happened the first time I went out there, there were like three guys who had really not had accepted Jesus Christ. They thought being baptized was, was going to, was the, the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Okay. And so we had to go in and kind of, that's when we started saying, listen, we're going to do this class up front because we want to make sure that they understand that this is an outward show of what's already occurred inside them. You're, there, there are people who don't understand what you just said a little earlier about a faith dorm. You have faith, faith there's faith-based dorms at the Sanchez unit. Mm. What is that? Now, they're in, usually it's one dorm, right? Okay. In this particular prison at Sanchez, we have, uh, I believe, uh, it's, it's five dorms with uh, four pods in each one. Okay. The prison holds about 1,100 men. And I, I may be off on the numbers. I, I think that's there's there's five different, you know, yeah. But then the unit that's about eleven hundred. I mean, there's about nine hundred guys that are in there, right? And so in that, there's one dorm that's designated a faith-based dorm, okay. which those fifty men in that particular pod have been vetted or interviewed, and they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It does not matter their faith. The nomination does is not really make a, a big difference. Uh, okay. But I will tell you the majority of them are Protestant or Catholic. There's not too many other types of... Uh, yeah, there, there may be okay. one or so because, you know, I think there's one over there now that's a Jehovah's Witness. And we do have services. There are services provided in the prison system for each for different each faith base, okay. right? And so, um, but we participate in, a, in an open faith. We do not declare a denomination. And that's probably why we have the largest attended service there. There are people who are going to say that, hey, these guys, these inmates, they're attending services because mm-hmm. the prison gives them something, like mm-hmm. time off or... No, actually, that's, that's not. It, it, does not. it doesn't happen that way. In fact, uh, uh, they go to church because they desire to go to church. Now, one thing that I, I want to add in is that part of what I do is it's, you know, that's my church congregation out there. So what happens is, is I go out and visit my congregation. And so I talk to the men. I get personal with them. They put in their communications. They request a visit from their pastor. I go out and visit them. Now, given there's five other, there's four other services out there that are not a different denominations. Right. But a, a lot of them, you know, they come to our services. 
So they don't really receive anything other than they get out of the dorm. So you might say, well, they get out of the dorm, but they they pretty much can work or go to school or other things by getting out of the dorm. And you just mentioned that you go visit them. So you see them throughout the week, oh, yes. just Sunday. Yeah, I went yesterday. I, You know, Martin Luther King. When I go out on a holiday, it really makes an impact to them. I mean, every time I go walk into a door, I mean, the guy told me yesterday, anytime you walk through that door, it lights up our days because you, you're someone from the outside coming in and visiting us. And so, but what I want to do is I go out there on a day they don't, they expect it the least. Holidays, they don't expect people out there. I was out there on Christmas Eve. I was out there on New Year's Eve. I, I'm, I'm out there because I want them to understand the true love of God. Um, recidivism rates. So... I've been seeing a trend, I've been looking and researching, that people who attend church service are less likely to go back to prison. Recidivism rates are are reducing. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the, the actual trend numbers of that. You would find there are different factions involved in the prison system that would love to say that it was directly responsible for their particular area. The education says right. it's because we've educated them. You know, then you've got security says we're, we're a little more stringent on them, so I don't want to come back to this. And then you've got the chaplaincy, and they, uh, of course, it, it's, it's because of the religion that's out there. Okay. Um, but I would like to say, I, I, would, I would honestly say, I think that the impact that a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus Christ has a tremendous impact, a lasting impact, as long as we help connect them once they get back out. And see, that's something we're doing as well, too. I, I don't know if you know that. I didn't. Yes. So we, we are establishing support groups that are faith-based mm -hmm. at four corners of the uh, county. So when they get out in El Paso, they are directed to our churches, or they, if they don't want to go to our church, we ask them to go to a community church. So if they get connected in a church community, it will help continue on the culture that we tried to create out there, a, a Christian depend on God and not yourself type of community, right. where they can continue on and be encouraged to get through the things that they got. Now, this uh, support center's, what we do is we have them led by ex-offenders, people who've gone through the system. Mm -hmm. So they help them understand how to get through the sometimes stringent and uh, undoable uh, things that are placed upon them through parole and things of that sort. Like the reporting, the classes yeah, they yeah. might have to Well, they, you get four hours to be out a day, but they expect you to have an eight-hour job. And, and there are a little bit of, there are a few things that are contradictive in the this, this system that, that makes it impossible for them. But we get, we, we believe that God has opened the door for us to help them in that area. We have seen, we are already seeing where guys have gotten out and have come to our church and are being productive in society, have jobs and are, are worshiping in our church and even leading in certain areas. Wow. How did all of this come about with you, with the Soul Church? <laughs> oh, my I goodness. I think somebody just woke up one morning and said, hey, let's go to prison. You know, I th that's, that's probably the funniest thing is to tell that story. Our senior pastor here, Walter Mueller, he, <laughs> he loves to tell that story because he, he laughs and laughs and laughs. Uh, I'm the uh, pastor of 
Del Sol Sanchez, which is, I'm the campus pastor, but I'm also the pastor of Connections and Compassion. That okay. being the local ministry and connecting people into ministry and things of that sort. So uh, four years, four and a half years ago, there was a, a gentleman who was worshiping here who had been to prison in a federal prison environment, had gotten out, gone through life. Had, but but he, he spoke a lingo that he, he got along with him real well. And so he would go out and visit. So we decided we would start a ministry because we had been visiting another uh, one of our congregants who had been in prison for about 10 years. And we had gone out to Latuna and visit them and visit and things like that. And, and, and Walter saw how I responded to him, you know. And so he said, uh, go out and help David out there. And, and so I did. I went out there and helped him. And then one day David and his wife decided they were going to go to another church. <laughs> Don't know why. And, of course, you know, they're, they're, you know, that's very prerogative, right? So he was gone. And so we all of a sudden we were doing a prison ministry that didn't have a leader anymore. So Walter says, Greg, you go out and do it until until you find somebody who does it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if this is what I really see myself doing. So at any rate, I, 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 I'm loyal. And so <laughs> yeah, it was his, his vision. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to carry this out. And so I went out there with uh, another fellow. His name is Mike Moss. He's a volunteer. He's a very... He's a retired battalion uh, fire chief. He's a wonderful guy. And he went out there with me. So the first time we're walking out there, walking down the boat, they call it the bowling alley. There's this big cement walkway all the way through the middle of the prison. So I'm walking in the bowling alley, and I'm feeling very, a little pink, you know, uh, a little <laughs> apprehensive about all the things that, that could occur. Uh, and so uh, we walk through these doors, and they slam behind us, and people have keys, and, and uh, you know, guys walking around in white looking semi-mean. Um, so I thought, oh, my Lord. <laughs> so we go in, and I start, we start teaching a class. We start inter, intermingling with these guys. And I began to see that really there was uh, not a lot of difference between myself and them. In fact, I, I, I make a joke with them all the time. The only difference between you and I is that you got caught and I didn't. So it's a, it's a kind of a running joke. But, right. but nevertheless, yeah. realize that there's not really bad, bad guys out at this particular prison, okay? But, but nevertheless, I never turned back. I never turned, I turned away from it again. I, once I went in the first time, it was like, this is where God wanted me to be. It was the calling on my life. And it was so neat because... When this happened, I was, it was my biggest fear, and God revealed a calling out of my biggest fear. It was so neat because, you know, you think, this, oh, well, that happens in that guy's life, or that happens in that. And you tell stories about those things happening in other people's lives. But it happened in my life, and it just, like, blew me away. It was the first time I really felt I knew what God's calling was on my life. And I, I you know what, Steve? When I'm out here, outside in the free world, and I have a bad day, and you know, pastors have bad days just like everybody has a bad day, okay? And I have a bad day, I go to the prison because that's my happy place. That's my happy place. When I go there, those guys love me. And there's no doubt. And now we have the, the administration of the prison. They enjoy us. We do a lot of things, not only for the, for the men in white out there, but we also reach out to the guards, the officers. 
we go out and we give them, sometimes we'll take uh, sausage biscuits from McDonald's and we'll take 50 or 70 of them out there and give them to the officers and tell them how much we love them. Big candy bars, we'll take them out and give it to the office. They know who we are. So when I go out there, that's my happy place. <laughs> it sounds funny because... Yeah, I've never heard someone say... Prison yeah, prison is my happy place, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really... Um, and you've been doing this now how long? For four years. For four years. It started off, we said, hey, if we just get one Bible study a week and we get this humming and going where God's moving in it, then we're happy. Well, after the first year, we were doing seven studies. We had... 60 volunteers that came on where we have an active number of about 60 to 63 volunteers out there that rotate that rotate through that go out we have we we teach about 125 men on monday nights and then there's another 25 on tuesday nights that are just a sleeping giant discipleship model and then we also do on monday afternoons celebrate recovery in the faith-based dorm then we do a discipleship on Tuesday nights in the faith-based dorm, and it's called Equipping the Saints. Then on Wednesday night, we do a, a, a something in the faith-based dorm. It's a study. It's a men's a discipleship, and there's about 50 guys in that. So, And then with our church, there's uh, 87 to 90 guys that come. So we, we reach about 200 guys on a weekly basis out there. And how many have you kept in touch with afterwards after they're out um you know when they get out what i do is i have a business card like i gave you this morning right and i take them in in droves with me out of the prison so when someone's getting out or something i give them my business card and it's got a personal cell it's got how to get in touch with me here it's got my email address and all that type of stuff any kind of contact um just Friday, I talked to a guy who got out uh, three weeks ago. He's actually working already in the oil field, and uh, he called me, and we were talking together on things, and he wants to come and give his testimony. Uh, We just showed uh, testimonies of two guys who are part of our church that come regularly. um, That were were here. We did that when we showed our vision for the church. The warden comes to our church. He comes here like maybe twice a month when... When he has, he's not on duty out there. Oh, wow. We have regular officers who, from the prison, who come over here and go to different campuses. So remember, we have five campuses outside. Right. So when we're out on East Montana, there's a couple of officers out there. There's uh, two in the Northeast, one on Angora Loop, and the other one on Fairbanks and Rushing. And there's guys that go to that. So we have uh, TDCJ all over uh, Del Sol. <laughs> <laughs> Any regrets? Oh, you know, I haven't seen any yet. You know, I don't ever... Sure, you get a little testy with... (laughs) In a system like that, the wheels don't move very quickly. I'm a very impulsive guy. It was one of the things God had to teach me is patience. You know, it's it's like, don't pray for patience. Well, I've learned patience in a a really, uh, I would say, productive way in my life. You know, a lot of times I ran and did things and then said, ah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done it that quick. And, but I've learned in the prison system, I've really learned to watch for the Holy Spirit to open the doors. You know, you can't move very quickly out there. Everything takes paperwork and triplicates and all kinds of stuff. But we've seen just an amazing amount of things, doors open. 
Um, I communicate with all throughout the uh, bureaucracy of TDCJ. I, I talk to the deputy director of chaplaincy. He knows who I am. We work together. Um, in fact, the actual director over TDCJ, he's a Christian himself. I work, I'm, a, I'm an endorsed chaplain with the BGCT, which is the Baptist General Convention of Texas. There are a number of retired chaplains and area chaplains that are part of that, that work with us throughout the system. Um, I'm excited because we're going to do a discipleship uh, this, this July. It's called Jubilee. That's through the Texas system. There are a number of things that we're working with and communication levels that we're working with that I think we have more visibility than I think most area prisons where we're involved at. I, we've, we've recently been nominated for the Volunteer Organization of the Year through TDCJ and uh, uh, whatever God has for that. But, um, you know, it's neat to always have a reward just to confirm that you're doing the things that he wants you to do. What about expanding to the jails or Latuna? You know, I, I, I want to do that. That's something here. Let's go back to my impulsiveness. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that, that, that screams to that part of me. Right. But the thing is, is I feel like we really need to do sew this up correctly. We need to finish what we need to get done inside. And when we have all those uh, uh, those areas that are, are, are ringing true and, and particular things that are going to support and will run themselves, um, then I can start working on something else. But I, I don't want to come in and do a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit over here and not be effective anywhere at 100% levels. So, yeah, I have that desire. It's just like the reentry system. It's been tough for us to get, you know, out of what we're doing there. I mean, see, this year, Steve, I, I know I'm bouncing around about things, but this year we plan on being more uh, intensive on bringing in programs to help the administration by doing marriage seminars for the officers, all right? Like doing financial peace where we can help them understand how to manage the money well. Those those officers out there don't get paid a lot of money. But what they're doing is they're tasked with providing security for you know with for the in this prison environment for the public, you know, to keep the security there. And so uh, we're going to help them. Help them in a number of different ways. And I, those are, those are you know just a few things that we're trying to go out and get done in and that because it's like I said, our our mission statement, our little motto is we're going to saturate Sanchez with the Word of God. And so that's our motto. And if we're going to do that, we're not going to do it just for the men and white that are being imprisoned there. We're going to do it for the whole Sanchez unit. And I like that because a lot of prison and jail ministries focus on just the inmate to the exclusion mm. of all else, which I think is sad. Really yeah. I, well, it's because we get tunnel vision. You know, we get tunnel vision. And here, let's go back to what I said earlier. God has really opened some doors for us. All right? And, and the curtain warden we have there, he loves the Lord. and and But he's a very strict man, but he loves the Lord. And so I respect him. When I'm there, I call him warden. Hi, warden. When he's here, I call him Keith. So when he's at church, we, we divide that up. <laughs> so, but at any rate, we, we're fortunate to have that. What would you do differently? You know, four years into this, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? Wow. You know, uh, <laughs> because of my impulsiveness, I would have just gone back and done everything, <laughs> everything quicker. Uh, but it, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been as easy, I don't think. But uh, what would I have done different? I, you know, 
I don't know that I've done anything different. Because, you know, here again, I want to, this may sound funny. Steve, I didn't do anything. I am, I am, I am blown away. And I shouldn't be. Here I am a pastor and I'm saying I'm blown away by what I know is true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit came in and opened the door. When people say, you did a great job out there. This is neat. I say, well, you know, all I did was hang on to the coattails of the Holy Spirit as my feet flapped in the wind. And seriously, that's what happened. I mean, I was able to to go out and do the, uh, things that other people hadn't done before. And, you know, and I all of a sudden, I just, I asked the Lord, can you help us with people? We got 60 volunteers who go out there. You know, and, I, and it's growing out there. We get people who go out there and we have a praise and worship band that's growing because musicians are going out there. New musicians every week are going out there. We, we, I, I, Steve here again, I am blown away. I am, and I shouldn't be because I shouldn't be amazed by what I know is very true is the word of God and when it happens. But I can get pretty emotional when we start talking about this. But anyway. Don't worry about getting emotional. Um, <laughs> what would you like to say? What would you like to share? You know, I I think that God. You know, I, I like to be very simple. I, I don't like to be a complicated person, and I think sometimes what we've done in our culture is to because of our striving to do things in a more perfect way, we've broken things up into these little areas that we've made life so very difficult for us. And I, and I, I think that's in our, in a culture of trying to have squeeze everything out of what we can get. And, and I think that, you know, I want to be more simple. I want to find just the good things that are naturally out there and God provides and I can. And so God tells me, uh, he tells me, in, in, uh, to, you know, to love the Lord in the greatest commandment. He says to love the Lord in Matthew twenty, uh, Matthew twenty-two, verses thirty-seven through thirty-nine. He says to love your Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I like to live that way. I want to love the Lord, and I'm going to love my neighbor. And so, for me, my neighbor is in prison. I I look at Hebrews 13, verse 1 through 3. It says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels, knowing not without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. As if you were together with them in prison. And those who were mistreated as if you were yourselves were suffering. So I, I, I look at it as I could have been in prison with them. I could have very easily made, gone down the wrong path. Because I was a, a young kid that thought he knew everything, had everything into one life. God didn't choose that pathway for me. But I sure can help people who are going down that pathway because they deserve to know that God loves them. And that's what I want to do, is help people to understand that they have a King of Kings and Lord of Lords who loves them more than anything they deserve or can even fathom. And so my calling is with the men in prison. And I know it. Today and forever.
Still Going Somewhere, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Still Going Somewhere is a registered trademark. For more information, visit us online at www.stillgoingsomewhere.com.